You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Good morning, folks. How are you today? You sound good this morning. You sound really good. Aren't you glad you've already been in the Lord's house in his presence today? Amen? I am too. I am too. Uh, We are continuing a series we began last week called Foolproof when we're talking about the book of Proverbs. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you've got your Bibles, you can take them out. Um, You better be speed turning today, okay? We are talking about wise words of all the things that the smartest, wisest person that has ever lived would spend a lot of time writing on in the book of Proverbs. Solomon chose to talk about the power and the choice of our words. And in doing so, today I'm going to give you, I'm going to explain a few things, but really I'm going to give you Solomon today. I'm going to give you the word today. I'm going to read what God says about our mouths and the power of our speech. Are you ready for that? All right. Are the rest of you ready for that? Because some of it won't be pretty because it's convicting. But I believe that God wants to take this vessel we have, these words that we speak, these mouths that we use, and use them for his kingdom glory. But in order to do that, we have to understand what God expects of us. Proverbs 28 and 26 says, Those who trust in their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Specifically, Proverbs 18, 21, I want to read to you in the New Living and the Message Translation. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The Message Translation says, Words kill words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I want to talk to you about what God says through King Solomon about wise words. Let's pray. Father, you have been with us and you are with us right now. I believe you have encouraged us, drawn us near, met needs, but you've also cultivated and tilled the soil of our hearts to receive your word. I pray your word will be received. I pray that it will spring forth and life will come forth. And every word that we say, I pray, God, that you would anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth and anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. We ask it now and believe it now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Why is it that Solomon chose to spend so much time talking about the words that we say, the speech that we have, how we use this vessel that he has given us called our tongue or our mouths. We have to understand how much we actually talk. Do you know we are a nation of talkers? Do you know you have 35 conversations on average every single day? Do you know that you will spend 25% of your life talking Do you know that every single year you use enough words to write a 53,000-page novel? And with talk radio, talk shows on TV, 311.2 million cell phones through text or talk, we are communicating all the time. And the reason why Solomon speaks to it is because words have power. As a matter of fact, it says life and death are in the tongue. It has the power to give life 
it has the power to cause cursing in people's life as well. As a matter of fact, with one word, a judge can sentence someone to prison or pronounce their execution. With a word unintended, a child can hear a parent wish that that child was never born and a life of self-doubt will begin in that child. Did you know that Adolf Hitler's manifesto, Mein Kampf, his manifesto about German dominance and about the hatred of Jews, for every word written in that manifesto, 125 people lost their lives in World War II. Words have power. It's why we find ourselves sometimes saying, maybe you've never said these words, maybe you have. You ever said the word to yourself, me and my big mouth? Why did I even open my mouth? Oh, if I could just have those words back. Solomon writes to those, and he tells us four things that we need to know about our mouths and our speech. Number one is this. Speech is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. It's a miracle that we're able to communicate with each other. Do you know that? The ability to speak and communicate is a miracle. Think about this. If I want to take a thought that's in my head and communicate that thought, and you receive it in your head and understand what I'm saying, the process is miraculous. If I have a thought, my brain says, I want to communicate that. My brain communicates to my lungs that I need to push air upwards to my larynx. And once it gets there, it needs to go to these two little folds in the back of my throat that are going to vibrate called vocal cords. And they vibrate at certain tones and certain resonance. And then as it comes forth, my mouth and my nose begin to form those into guttural sounds that sound to some like just absolute nothing because they don't understand what I'm saying. To other people who hold common meaning with those same guttural sounds, they formulate words that go out into the atmosphere. As those sounds go into the atmosphere, there are two things on the side of your head that are there only for scooping up those sounds as they come in. And they travel in your ear canal and they make tiny bones begin to vibrate in your ear that communicate signals to your brain and your brain then translates that to mean the same thing that my brain thought milliseconds before then. It's a miracle. And yet Solomon says it is so important that we understand that you have to use that miracle for God's glory to build people up, to speak life, and not to tear them down. As a matter of fact, he tells us in Proverbs 10 and 20 that the words of the godly are like sterling silver. In chapter 10, verse 11, he says the words of the godly are life-giving fountain. Proverbs 18 and 4 says, Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. Proverbs 16 and 24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. Speech is a gift of God that he gives us in order to communicate, to bring glory to the kingdom of God. And he gives us three major truths that we need to understand about our speech and our words. The first one is this. Words can and should be used for good. That's what our words, that's what our mouth, that's what our speech is for. 
It's to be used for good. And when I mean good, I don't mean what's good for us. I mean what is godly, what is right, what is wholesome, what is good. Here's what Solomon says in chapter 15, verse 1. He tells us that a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. What he's talking about is this. Our words should have the intentionality of bringing peace into our world, peace in our relationship, peace into our circumstances. He goes on in chapter 12, verse 18, and he says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. You have the choice whether you bring healing or whether you bring harm to someone else with the words that you say. Jesus said it like this, out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth actually speaks. So here is something you need to understand. No one ever makes you say anything, okay? It's going to be harsh, okay? The devil didn't make you do it. The other person didn't make you do it. That that phrase that we say, oh, they just make me so mad I can't help myself. Do you know what the original context of mad is not anger there? It literally means insane. That I have lost my mind intentionally because of someone else. Can I just give you a phrase I want you to eliminate from your vocabulary? Okay? Here's a phrase. Okay? I just tell it like it is. And if you say that phrase and you think, well, I like that phrase, eliminate it. Because let me tell you what that phrase is it's a lie. It's a lie. Now, here's the truth. I tell it like I think. That's the truth. You never tell it like it is. You just tell it like you think. And someone that you like and you say, oh, I like them, they just tell it like it is. If you're honest, they just tell it like you think. It's the truth. We use that, we use that phrase to excuse our bad behavior and our language and our words that are used to tear somebody else down. Why is that? Because we use it as a cover so that we can act like it's a personality trait or it's a part of us that God just made us with. Yes, God made you that way. But God also redeemed you and transformed you too. And when God transforms, he can transform my words, my mouth, and my speech. And all God's people said? Amen. Here's what Jesus said. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. He said children of God are those who are peacemakers. That doesn't mean people walk all over you, but that means your intentionality is to bring peace, God's peace, into your realm and your circumstances. Our words should also give good advice. Solomon says in chapter 15, verse 7, the lips of the wise give good advice. In 16 and 21, he says, the wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. Proverbs 25 and verse 11 and 12 says, timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. To one who listens, valid criticism is a gold earring or other gold jewelry. Do you know what good advice requires? Love and concern and care for the other person. It also requires 
that you seek the Holy Spirit when you're giving advice to someone. Some people call advice, call it advice when it's actually criticism. So here's what I want you to know. The right words at the wrong time, still wrong. The wrong words at the right time, still wrong. The right words at the right time is right. And the same Holy Spirit that that can direct your words can direct you to the right time and place. Here's another phrase. If you want to keep peace, you need to eliminate from your vocabulary. When you're going to give someone advice, okay, don't start with this. Don't take this the wrong way. If you've ever said that phrase, I promise you they took it the wrong way. Because it's a cover for, I'm going to say something you don't like. Can I just tell you a better way to say that? Even if it's difficult words, you're going to have to have tough conversations with people. But it could be that you say, can I talk to you for a minute? Because there's something that concerns me. And I love you. And I care about you. That's a way that those words can be received. But if you're going to give advice to someone, if they ask it or if you feel led to give it to them, then you're going to have to wait for the right time and you're going to have to wait for the right words and the Holy Spirit will guide you along the way. Criticism is not advice. It's just criticism. He also says that our words should bring encouragement. If we use our words for good, they ought to be encouraging. He says in chapter 12, verse 25, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. In chapter 15, verse 23, he says, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Do you know there's a man in the New Testament that was such an encourager that people stopped calling him by his given name? They stopped calling him by his by his name that his parents gave him. They didn't call him that anymore. They started calling him something different. They started calling him Barnabas. And in the scripture, when the, the word bar means son of. Barnabas means son of encouragement. That's not his original name. But they stopped calling him that because they said he was filled with the Holy Spirit and was an encourager. And to such a degree that no one called him by his given name, they said, there's that guy, he's the encourager. And not only did God put his hand on them, they selected him to be a leader among them because they said, we'll follow him anywhere because he knows how to encourage us. Can I tell you what this world needs more than anything else? Is godly encouragement. I don't mean you ought to gloss over bad things, but I'm telling you, There ought to be a place in God's kingdom that the encouragers ought to rise up and people want them in their lives. What would it be if people thought, I'm not going to call you by your given name anymore. I want to call you encourager because what you bring into my life. Our words can and should be used for good. That's why God created the miracle of speech. But the reality is, the second thing Solomon tells us, 
it, that that's though they should be, words can be used for evil if we're not careful. And Solomon gives us a couple of ways. The first one is gossip. And all God's people said, <laughs> that was a lot quieter. Leviticus 19 and 16 says, Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Solomon says in Proverbs eleven thirteen, A gossip goes around telling secrets. Those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Proverbs 20, 19 says, A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. Proverbs 26 and 20, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. If you're here thinking, I wonder if he's worried if somebody's gossiping about him. I have no idea. But Solomon also tells us why gossip is wrong. In Proverbs 18 and 17, he says, Any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. Can I talk to the church and to the people of God for a second? There is never a place for gossip in God's kingdom. Ever. And can I tell you, please, 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 don't listen to gossip. If they will tell gossip to you, they will gossip about you. Cut off that power from that person because they think they have power when they gossip. Can I also tell the people of God, please don't try to cover your gossip and call it a prayer request. You know, oh, you need to pray for so-and-so. Why? Well, let me tell you. That is not a prayer request. And Jesus said, every careless word will be given an account for one day. Not a place for that in the kingdom. Solomon says avoid that because that's evil. He also says that our words can be used hastily, way too quickly, way too quickly. Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sins. Chapter 29, verse 20 says, there's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. Chapter 18, verse 13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Chapter 21, verse 23, watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Chapter 10, verse 19, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible, keep your mouth shut. I think the only person that's ever told me to shut my mouth more than Solomon is my mama, and I deserved every one of them, you know? Why is that important? Because way too many times we're too hasty with our words. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to stop the thoughts that are in our head before they come out of our mouth. I know that's hard to believe, but He does. There is the ability to take every thought captive and make it subject to Christ. It's what Scripture tells us, 2 Corinthians. 
It's important. So I want to give you an acronym. I want you to think before you speak. And the acronym is this. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? And when I say inspiring, I don't mean like self-help motivational. I mean God-breathed inspiration. Is the Holy Spirit involved in it? Is it necessary for the relationship or the person? Is it kind? And if any of those are mixing, ask God, do you really want me to say it and say it like this? I'm telling you, if you'll ask God, if he'll stop you from saying something, the Holy Spirit will catch you before you do it. Doesn't mean you won't ever make a mistake. And when you do, you may have to go back and you may have to apologize. And when you do, make it quick. Apologize. But part of the problem is we're way too quick to speak. And James tells us, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Here's a convicting passage that Solomon tells us in Proverbs 17 and 28. He said, even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. I'm not even going to expand on that one. (laughs) Our words can and should be used for good, for God's kingdom. They can be used for evil. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the redemptive work of the cross in our lives, we actually get to choose which words. And my words bring life to others when my will is surrendered to God. My words bring life to others when my will is surrendered to God. Here's what Romans 12 and 1 says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Psalm 141 and 3 says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. You literally get to choose whether you breathe life into someone or you bring curse into their life. You were designed to breathe life into a dark and dying world that needs to know that they can be different. That because of Christ, not only can they be changed inside, they can be changed externally and they make a difference in this world. There's power in your words more than you can ever imagine. Can I tell you this? The higher you rise in whatever leadership that you have in your family, in your work, in your ministry, in, what, in, your, in your friend circle, the more power your words have. If you lead something, listen to me. Your praise means more to people than you will ever imagine. If you are a parent, your praise means more to your children than you can ever imagine. Your correction is taken more seriously than you can ever imagine. That's why Jesus said, you don't have to have many words. Just make them count. 
He said, don't go around babbling like pagans. Don't pray like that. Don't be like that. He said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Don't add a bunch of stuff to it. I can remember in 2005, just a few months before I came here to be on staff, I was pastoring a church in Mississippi. And my father was preaching an evening service. And at the end of service, he said, Kirk, I want you to come up here and I want you to stand right here. I want to do something publicly I've never done. And I went up there and he said, I, I know I've told you in private, but publicly I want to do this. He said, as your father, I want to bless you now. Laid his hands on me and spoke blessing and favor and anointing on my life. Can I just tell you something? Those words that spoke out into the air were received in my ear but they didn't come just in my ear and they didn't communicate with my brain. They washed over my very soul and began to change things about the way I felt about and saw myself and literally within months changed the course and the direction of my life, even in ministry, even in my family. You have no idea the power of your words. You have no idea how God wants to use those. You have no idea how he wants to speak life into someone else who feels like everything is slipping away. But God can take your words and speak kingdom principles and kingdom life into somebody else and radically change them and change their life. And you'll never know it until you stand before the Lord, all the things that he has accomplished with a surrendered mouth and a surrendered heart. What would happen if God's people to God's blessing of speech so seriously that we begin to speak life over the people in our lives. I believe it would change things. I think that's why the wisest person who ever lived spent so much time telling us about the importance of it. I think that's why Jesus reminded us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Some of you probably came into this place and the thing you need most is you need a heart that's transformed and one that's yielded to Jesus. And if that's you, you know when you came in this place, things weren't right between you and the Lord. I just want you to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice you made for my sins. I thank you for the hope that has been given to me because of all you've done. I pray you forgive me of my sins and I yield my life to your lordship right now. And I will never be the same. I will follow you. I will follow what you tell me to do by your word and by your spirit. I want everyone in the room just pray this prayer profession when we say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now with your head still bowed, eyes still closed, the only people looking around are the ministry team and me. That's you. You know when you came in this place, things weren't right between you and the Lord, but you've decided for the first time or the first time in a long time to surrender your heart to Jesus today. I want to pray for you this week. Now, here embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you this week. I want you to be bold enough just to say, that's me. That's me. I changed, I changed today. I surrendered my heart to Jesus today. Would you just raise your hand really high while no one's looking around? Let me see that for a moment. God bless you. Leave it up just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. You're not alone. Amen. 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 All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you for lives that have been changed, for hearts that have been changed, souls that have been redeemed, 
for hope that has been restored. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that as the weight of sin is lifted off their shoulders, that they would just be washed afresh and anew with joy in their hearts and minds. God, we thank you that this life that they are walking on right now and walking in is a life of purpose and promise and destiny. Guard them today as they leave this place and give them a purpose and a joy like they've never felt before. God, for us in this room, all of us, Lord, help us to surrender our mouths, our speech, our words to you. Help us to surrender those so that we can be vessels for your glory. Help us to speak life and encouragement. Help us, Lord, to eliminate those things that we, when we want to speak harsh words over someone, help us to instead be led by the Holy Spirit, convicted by the Holy Spirit, and speak life into those people. And God, we thank you today that you convict us every single day. Holy Spirit, we give you place in our hearts to take every thought, every speech, and make it subject to your glory. And we ask that now in Jesus' name. Believe it in faith and give you praise for it. Amen and amen. Hey, will you celebrate with me today? Four people gave their hearts to Jesus in this place. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you made that decision today or the last few weeks at the end of service, there's some of our grow team will be down front. We'd love to help you get started in this walk with Jesus. Give us about two minutes of your time. We'd love that. Also, if you would like more information about getting plugged in here at Mount Perrin North, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. you take that, fill it out. You can turn it into any of the information uh, places. We'd love to. Uh, or you can go out to in the atrium at our next steps, uh, and we'll answer any information that you might have as well. A couple of things. As soon as service is over with, we are taking a trip to Israel. We've already had one informational meeting. We're going to have one immediately following this service right across the hallway in the atrium in the um, chapel. Um, the reason I tell you this is we have about 86 spots, and we only have about 30 of those left, okay? So if you have any interest in that, I want you to come over there. I'm going to answer, uh, give you some information about it, answer any questions that I have, and uh, decide whether or not you would like to go. Next February, we're heading to Israel. Next week is Father's Day, and I hope you will be a part of our services here. I do want to let you know right up front, though, I will not be here for Father's Day because next weekend my son is getting married, and so I'm going to be celebrating with him. Yeah. But I am thrilled to tell you that our pastor emeritus, Dr. Mark Walker, has agreed to be here next week to preach our Father's Day message. So I hope you'll be here. Always brings a great timely word and just such a friend to us. And I hope you'll be here for that. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would, please. And I want to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Pay attention to the first words, all right? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.